Hey there, this is Pete Townsend from Noria Ventures, and welcome to Money Never Sleeps, a podcast that looks inside the head of entrepreneurs and at what makes them do what they do. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is kindly sponsored by Possible.ie, an executive and personal coaching practice who partner with their clients to realize their full potential. The team at Possible.ie work with entrepreneurs, emerging talent, and senior leadership in a collaborative way to improve business performance, retain and develop key staff, and improve leadership effectiveness. Check them out online at Possible.ie and tell them we sent you. This week, we're doing a special replay of one of our favorites from season one, which is quite relevant with what's going on around the world right now with everyone working from home. We're going all the way back to Vanessa Tierney, co-founder and CEO of Abodu, the fastest growing SaaS platform for companies and people embracing smart working. What we're all going through right now would make you think that remote working is a new normal. But Abodu's mission is to convert this into smart working, i.e. whatever is most effective for people in the businesses they work for. Personally, I don't think we'll ever be going back to the old way. But trading desk time with your spouse while the kids bounce around the house isn't normal or certainly all that effective either. I've got the feeling that Vanessa and Obodu will be the bridge from the old way to the true new normal that emerges after this world on fire period we're in is over. Obodu's tagline of life is a journey, not a commute has never been more relevant. With that, let's get on with this special replay episode of Money Never Sleeps. Here we go again. Welcome to the 16th episode of Money Never Sleeps. We're here in the offices of Top Tier Recruitment in Dublin. I'm Pete Townsend. And I'm Owen Fitzgerald. And we're here with Vanessa Tierney, co-founder of Abodu. Did I get that right? You did. And one of the first. Awesome. Like I said, before we got started, I was very tempted to say like the Fred Flintstone, Yabadabadu or Abadu. And I was saying it to myself this morning. Um, but I think Abodu is a much better way to say it. So welcome to the show, <laughs> Vanessa. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Pete. Lovely cool. to be here. Great. Like I said before we got started, I had a, had a look at, at what you guys are doing. I think it's pretty cool. Maybe tell us about your backstory and how you got to this point just to get us started. Yeah? Yeah, sure. Um, so my background is in recruitment and talent acquisition for technology companies and multinationals around the world. And um, I guess over the last few years, I've been seeing a trend more and more companies were focused on where is the talent, not necessarily whether they'd have to be in the office every day. And at the same time, I was personally forced into home working for a little while. I fell ill um, and the choice was stop a career or actually create a career for myself. So I could see a trend happening. And in conjunction with the IDA, they started to talk about the fact that more and more companies were interested in landing in Ireland and not necessarily having their office based in the cities. They were interested in knowing about rural workers or employees across the country. So two years ago, we, we just saw a gap in the market to create a platform that could be really smart and matching, could represent this growing smart working community that's growing phenomenally and could enable companies to access talent immediately. And so we, we started on the journey. It took a year to build the technology and we went live last September. And I saw from your LinkedIn profile that you had a number of things going on in your career before this. It definitely kind of led your way to it, as you mentioned. But what I found really interesting was this, this school of sales uh, and being founder of, of Inside Sales, combining the recruitment side of it with training for salespeople. Maybe talk a bit about that and how that kind of led to your ideas about this. Okay, well, it's, it's really interesting you're bringing it up because that's how I fell into recruitment. And it was back in 2003, I'd finished college and I could see in the States that they were investing in graduates and upskilling them and then placing them in employment. Mm -hmm. And at the time we had FOSS uh, or recruitment agencies, but if you were a graduate with no experience, you'd find it really challenging to get a position. So we created the School of Sales. We had the idea we'd train people for a week 
for free and then we place them. Uh, it was challenging to, to kick off because people would think free, where's the catch? Um, actually, when we started charging a refundable deposit, we were booked out and um, we ended up placing with Dell and Salesforce. And I think what it made me realise was that there is untapped talent everywhere. And if they're given the opportunity, whether it's through smart working or you upskill and then place, um, you can fill a lot of the pain that companies are experiencing when they say there's a lack of ta- talent or unemployment is really, really low now and we can't find the people. The people are there. You just need to, I guess, think differently about how to upskill them and place them. And is it because we had Lisa Smith on before and she talked about millennials and their role in the workplace and workplaces have to been, be more understanding, I suppose, of, you know, the world is a different place now. Is it a combination that the world is a different place now or is it just you know are, are companies starting to realize that or are there are people pushing for it or what's kind of driving the you know the smart working the remote working demand i think there, there's multiple factors um if we look at millennials because they are going to be the largest percentage of the workforce in the next sort of six seven years they'll, they'll make up to 75 percent and they do expect to be agile 68 percent of Millennials say they want the empowerment to work as and where, you know, that works for them. Um, I think companies are beginning to realise that it's really expensive to onboard staff, train them for a number of years and then lose them um, at critical points because their life doesn't fit in with the long commute every day. Um, And so factoring that along with environmental factors, you know, I don't know um, if everyone feels the same, but when I got my green and blue wheelie bin, I felt like I was doing enough for the environment. And now I realise, no, we're not, because we're going to fail our emissions target by 2020. Um, But you take one car off the road in a family, or even if it's half the time, you are having a serious contribution to the future of Ireland for our kids. And um, so there's many compelling reasons. And then there's the space. Like we talk about Dublin and Cork, we're going to have to grow up with the buildings because there's a lack of real estate for for offices. And yet you open some office doors and you see empty desks. So more and more companies are starting to see, well, maybe we don't have to go the full remote model, but perhaps we should have a ratio of two to one on the desks. Uh, Perhaps we should give people the flexibility to work half the time from home and and it's starting to think that way, but I think it's both parties pushing for it. Yeah, and it's a really interesting way to get talent, right? And that, like you said, it's kind of hidden sometimes. And how do you access that? One, one, of, uh, one of the startups here in Dublin, the SureHedge, Barry McCarthy's business, um, one of his developers, Duncan, he was an organic farmer, right? That just happened to do some coding and messing around with DevOps on the side. And uh, Barry found him and it brought him in and he does pretty well, right? And that he comes into Dogpatch Labs every day though, right? How do you, you know, how do you make those connections into the local communities where you do have a lot of that talent to be able to get them on board and to get them working remotely um, for bigger businesses or for startups for that matter? What's the, what's, what's the magic there? Well, I guess it's twofold. First, um, I agree completely about rural communities and the fact that there's amazing talent. Like I, we live in a rural community and I can see the mums and dads at the kindy gates or the school gates and they've had amazing careers, but one is choosing not to work because just a commute to Dublin makes no sense, uh, whether it's childcare or costs. Um, and how do we tap? Well, you know, you could rely on word of mouth. You could rely on posters in your local shops, but thankfully technology has 
allowed us to reach people via their phones or laptops. And we can be very strategic around our targeting with SEO, but actually the most effective form of um, sales and marketing strategy for us is when we're having conversations like this, um, uh, when we push out content to uh, employees to get them thinking about perhaps as another way they could be working to bring to their employers. And so we really want to position Abodu, apart from being a platform for making the connection for the smart working community, but being thought leaders and giving, um, I guess, the industries the ammunition or information to make the decisions and both for businesses and people to be able to say, look, it's time for change. It's interesting because I've experienced it directly. I work for a government agency now and prior to that I worked for a large international bank where the team that I worked, I worked global product manager. I set up the global products for overdrafts um, in for 35 countries, but everyone that on the team that I worked with, none of them were based in Ireland. So whilst my office was in East Point, I I didn't realize until I joined, like after a couple of weeks, I was told, you know, I, I don't need to come into the office every day, which for me coming in from Kildare was godsend you know family at home so I maybe came in one day a week but like the work got done work always got done and no one ever had an issue with it as long as the work got done and I often was having calls at strange hours anyway because I'd be dealing with international colleagues but it was fine yes occasionally like actually you know I may not have required to work as hard sometimes and I could enjoy my time at home or collect kids from school but it allowed me to be flexible and it made such a difference whereas other organizations are some years removed from that being a kind of the norm and it's a challenge then when you go from that to something where you're expected to be or other organizations where they expect you to be at your desk all the time and the mindset that I don't need to be at my desk to do my job all the time it's not just that I'm showing up and oh I better be here at eight o'clock and look like I'm working sort of thing you know yeah. for the sake of it uh, absolutely there's if a few factors that come up in conversations like we're not here to convince people to do smart working um, or consult them on how to do it there's many great people out there that can do that we want to be you know helping the companies that are already doing it what we discover though is when you ask some open questions like do you offer any flexibility to your employees to finish early to have one day at home uh, a week to job share and all of a sudden they go, ah, we're smart working. And, and it's one of the reasons why we started to use the definition. Um, because when we went live with remote working, people thought, oh, no, that's working from home. And sure, who really works? Yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. Um, and it's a certain age group or demographic that will typically come out with that yeah. line. Um, but with smart working, we put a definition. I'm sure it'll continue to change as more and more people are beginning to use it, that it's when you empower your employees to work agile a percentage of the time, whether from home, hub, or in a hybrid model. And if companies are listening and they're thinking, well, will this really take off? I think the co-working spaces is an indication of what's happening to the industry because that's step one. And it's estimated that in the next four or five years, there'll be five million more uh, co-working spaces globally good news for we work you <laughs> might start making some money yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah and and within every co-working space that's created and obviously we work are really focused on cities whereas there's all these brilliant private centers that are opening up across mm. rural areas where the black spots for unemployment are bring in a bodu make the connection and now you have a new ecosystem that's regenerating rural areas so everyone can applaud that and you're based in the hatch lab in gory yeah yeah. How well, is that? I say based in inverted commas. Based in, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, because, I, you're, because you're smart working. <laughs> yeah, smart working. Well, our model is one, two days in the co-working space or doing meetings like today um, and then the rest from home. And, and that's 
for everybody that works in a Bodoon. We're in Ireland, UK and India at the moment. Um, but the Hatch Lab is a great operation. Um, it was a godsend because when we first moved to the location, we had three Meg in the house, which pretty much means nothing. You can do yeah. nothing. Um, so all the reception areas of the local town got to know me in the hotels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so when they opened, it was great to have that connectivity. But, you know, a good example of what's happening in terms of homes, we now have 140 Meg. Um, and our recent partnership with Vodafone, looking at their plans as to connectivity that's going to be happening. This is going to be brought to so many people that maybe are not currently working or maybe they're underemployed or maybe they're thinking about going back to work. You now have choice. Talk a bit about, you know, we, we, there, there's this greater sense of good here and this altruistic approach, but there's also customers. What were you doing before you had the, the inside sales, but the, the school of sales training? Yeah, so it was recruitment. Um, it was recruitment. So we, I was the customer to job boards like LinkedIn and Indeed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was buying ad space and experiencing um, how amazing it was years ago. And then all of a sudden the market becoming quite saturated and noisy. Um, we have gone through a few changes with the Bodu since we went live because we wanted to get the pricing right. We wanted a low mm. barrier to entry because we've got two sales when you think about it, certainly for this market, because it's quite um, underdeveloped when it, in smart working terms. We've only 200,000 people in this country working smart versus 4.6 million in the UK. And so we wanted to make sure that our um, barrier was very low. And so it's free to post a job on Obodu, unlike really most of our competitors. And generally the, the charge will come with the competitors at the point of placing an ad or at the click of an, not even an application, just a click on the ad. Um, and we felt, no, there's still not enough value. And I know when I was managing recruitment teams, the frustration of having to go through 100 CVs to get maybe three, four interviews. Um, so we felt the value is at the interview. And wouldn't it be great if we could charge at the point of candidates saying, yeah, I want to be interviewed by that company. And so that's what we did. We integrated Stripe. It's a very simple pay-as-you-go if you're trying us per candidate going into interview. Typically, the ratio seems to be four to one to hire. So you're spending less and minimum time because it's instant match push technology. So you're not doing any searching for candidates. When, what was the moment you realized you had something? to say, I'm going to go do this, right? It seems like it's been a natural progression from the different things that you've done that, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd launch this. But what, what was it that made you want to do this? I think it was the IDA. I know I'm giving them a lot of kudos. Okay. And I love Enterprise Ireland, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> We're HPSU client. They're wonderful. But I do, I think, because they had visibility on the pipeline coming to Ireland and because we had Shopify on the left or on the West Coast who were the full remote model who had arrived from Canada, who were hiring people on payroll. And uh, they just felt like, and there was such a lack. And I actually, the, the eureka moment was, here we go, I remember. Yeah. I got a phone call from a client and they said, we've got this VP position we want to fill. We'll pay them one fifty two hundred, and we don't care where they're based. Okay. And they can work from home. Okay. So we thought, brilliant, this is wonderful. But actually, when you go onto a job board and you try and find someone who's willing to work from home, we found ourselves messaging VPs and then they were coming back going, are you for real? Yeah. Who are you, you know? And then we thought there has to be a better way of doing this. So that was definitely a moment of we have to create what's missing right now. And how do you influence that mid to senior level VP type role that is so used to going into an office every day that it's okay not to? <laughs> 
If you ask a VP, are they in the office five days a week? You'll very quickly realize there's a lot of time on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of time working, supposedly, at, you know, in between meetings. Okay. So um, I guess the difference is it's, it's on the table. You're, you're saying you're going to be in one day a week. And more and more companies now realize you have to measure on output, not hours. Yeah. That's, that's the, you know, we've had all these revolutions. And recently they're saying this is a new work revolution on many levels. And it's true. We don't have to wear ties every day. Well, some organizations we do. Yeah, no, no one's wearing a tie no, here. absolutely <laughs> not. I'm trying to convince the world single-handedly that ties and business don't need to go together anymore. Now, all respect to people who feel like, well, that's what they want to wear because that's how they perform the best, right? Is when True. they're wearing something quite professional. Yes. Um, one of the first entrepreneurs I worked for years ago worked out of his home five days a week for two years, every day, suit and tie. Never left home. But every day, some well, time. Well, you know, we're I, all thinking, exactly. oh, Bandang, full yeah, yeah, body yeah, 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 full thing, right? So, yeah, 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 not just a, what they call it, a dick. <laughs> but um, if we can just influence people out of that, that the mm. tie just doesn't need to be there. Owen, you're not wearing one today. Nope. Sometimes I wasn't do. in the office today. You know, so okay. rock, rock Rockstar t-shirt with a blazer, which is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, uh, yes, the world is changing. Um, there are more things that need to be done to get people moving along those lines. Um, what is it that you think is unique about the opportunity to do that in Ireland? Like you said, you're growing in the in, in the UK, growing in India, lots going on there. But that kind of branch out of the business globally from Ireland, how has that gone? Um, it has its challenges. It certainly uh, won't lie about that. Um, I think how we felt about Ireland was we felt like if we could really make traction here, um, we're a very distributed country in terms of our population. We've broadband that's just being rolled out. Um, we've people that have two minds around smart working. And we felt like if we can make revenue here, but most importantly, get a community growing and, and talking about smart working, then for us, that's enough to say it's time for other markets. However, since our launch in the UK, we can already see the traction building. And I think for investment, the pool is probably quite limited here. If you've got big ambition, and we do. I mean, if if you're looking at the future of 20, 30% of all of us want smart working, and there's a lack of this really clever platform out there to make connections for careers and, and possibly more, um, then we have a really good opportunity. Um, what gives me hope, though, is our diaspora network of 70 million yeah. and the fact that they really get behind an Irish business that has big plans uh, to create employment. And we do. Um, and, and, you know, I, a lot of people, I spoke about this earlier with someone, obviously focus on the money and exit that, that everyone, you know, invests for that reason. But everyone involved in the Bodu is actually passionate about the change that we can make to people's lives. I'm getting not only emails and the team are getting emails, we're getting handwritten letters saying thank you because this might mean we get employment into our rural area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's what makes it really worth it. Yeah, it makes it worthwhile. And that's it. You're making a difference in people's lives because, look, we all know people who probably one spouse has had to give up work because they've it's just too expensive for childcare for continue working or they're traveling too far. So it makes such a difference because like I said, the work is still getting done. It shouldn't really matter depending on what you're doing, you know, financial services or wherever. A lot of the time you don't need to be sitting at your desk to do that work. Your desk can be anywhere. Yeah. And, and smart workers, they're, they're just so appreciative of the trust and opportunity that we're given. Attrition improves by 40%. I mean, even if the CFO gets wind of that, you save 11 grand per employee, 40% improvement in attrition and productivity goes up by 10%. Look at what the P&L could look at in two, three years time. 
Like the case is there, certainly for real estate teams in the multinationals who are thinking, how do we get more space? The answer is here. Mm-hmm. Don't leave home. <laughs> there's, plenty, there's plenty of space there. Yeah, that's the thing. No, I, and, and, and I get that. And I'd say in the last couple of years, since I made the transition out of the corporate world into my own business, that that flexibility is just amazing. It's, um, it's night and day. It's night and day. And I'd, if, I'd highly recommend it. What, you mentioned the diaspora. Right. And I think that that's important. Um, you know, I'm representative of that Irish American that before I left Ireland or sorry, before I left the United States, I was Irish. Um, I moved to Bermuda and no, 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 dude, you're American. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm Irish. My mother's from Cork and my father's from Derry. It's like, yeah, but how many hundred years ago? I said 150, 200, doesn't matter. Right. Because in America, everybody is from somewhere else. Right. You're not just an American. Um, everybody's got some other some other connection. I started looking at some of the venture capital scene going on in Boston recently. Uh, I'm from Boston, but never really dug into it. I'm reading this great book called Creative Capital, which is about the story of basically the invention of venture capital. So Frenchman Georges Dorio, who was uh, in the U.S. in the late 30s, early 40s, who's a Harvard professor, and he just decided he wanted to be helpful to companies. Um, and he had some capital backers that wanted to get him started with a million. And that's what he did um, and grew that into a pretty amazing business that spawned a few other, uh, a European business, a Canadian business as well, um, and spawned a whole legion of venture capitalists in the US, some of which still are in the Boston area. If you look, there is a lot there. And like you're saying, that connectivity to Ireland is quite interesting, um, where the, the, you know, the champions and, and, and leaders of those business are named O'Brien or, um, as I, I used to call it, Gallagher, right, instead of Gallagher, right? So there's plenty there. As a business, again, coming out of Ireland and growing to the UK and to India, are you engaged in any of those road trips going out to do the fundraising? Well, it's really a um, good point that you're bringing this up. Uh, just to highlight on India, our, our staff, our team is in India, but actually India will probably be a further future play for us. Right now, our focus is the States. Um, well, Warren Buffett's investing in India now. Oh, is he? Is, well, rumored <laughs> with Paytm, the big payments business there. So, yeah, you, you got all that ahead of you. I haven't gone over to do any road trips. I think we felt we needed to get to a certain size in terms of community, but I think we're there now. And and I, I would really, really love someone. I say diaspora. We, we pronounce it really differently. Yeah, diaspora. <laughs> diaspora. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, we would love someone um, to invest in a Bodu um, stateside um, who has the connection with Ireland because they will open doors naturally for us and why can't we be the biggest in this space? You know, we, we've opened our doors to LinkedIn and indeed to come here and they're welcome, but it'd be lovely to do the reverse to the States and, and open up a Bodu over there. Yeah, it's like Anne Rand said, it's not who's going to let you, it's who's going to stop you, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, any personality traits of your own that you're kind of looking at and saying, yes, that's been helpful to me um, over the years? I'm pretty much a dog with a bone if we have a vision or we're saying very, yeah, tenacious is is the term because, um, but hopefully I don't rock too many boats in the way. But if, if we, if we believe in something enough and I I say we, because there is a co-founder and other people, um, we will absolutely go for it. And, and I, at the bar that we're setting in terms of the quality of marketing and imagery that we're pushing out there is probably beyond where we are as a business in our cycle. But we, we said, look, from day one, we need to be world-class and whatever we're pushing out there. So we set the standard highs, maybe a little bit of perfectionism. And, and, and I really care uh, about the emotive side, um, which in our industry, it can be 
like job boards, recruitments and so on. And uh, it can be typecasted with it's about numbers and you don't really care about people. But I think there's a lot of people that really do. And you can see it in online education that's expanding. People really want to help others upskill and get, you know, good employment and be part of communities. So I think um, that will probably play out now in the coming years through Abodu when you see all the things we have planned. And what have been the biggest challenges, I suppose, so far or... The naysayers, I think, before we went live, I mean, everyone said we were mad to create what we planned in terms of platform for smart working, that it would never take off. It was still another five, 10 years before, you know, companies would embrace. And I think then once we did go live, it was really people understanding the value. And as Pete experienced, you know, it takes eight to 10 minutes to create a profile. Yeah. Um, and, and it takes that time because we did not want people getting useless job alerts you want them to take time to do it you want them to take care it's their life it's their career isn't it amazing yeah. how you spend three four years in college for your career and then a profile which you know you just need to take a 10 minutes but this could match you to a career that will save you 10 hours commute a week or more time with the kids and 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 so there was an education piece because some people were actually going on and dropping off um, don't get me wrong our technology was clunky and every single week there's a new release and we've had great feedback from uh, our enterprise customers and the community. And we keep, keep evolving. Um, and then the last challenge has been investment. Uh, we had brilliant investors uh, very early on, Dan Kiley and Linda Kiley. They see the vision, the potential. They see how home working is transforming the outsourcing industry that they're in. Anything you wish you'd done differently? <laughs> oh, it's a trick question. <sighs> there was... At a time, a real discussion as to whether we should launch in London or not. Okay. You know, and I think that if we'd launched in London, perhaps we would have grown a little bit faster with more backing. However, nothing changes the support that I'm currently feeling and yeah. the team's feeling from the Irish. And so I wouldn't change it. Uh, I think just our growth has been a tiny bit slower than what we would have expected because of that. But in this case, it's actually like the fact that you can make it work in Ireland you know, really demonstrates it. Because typically we're five years removed from things that come along in the US and are accepted in the US. It could take five years to get to Ireland and be the norm. Mm. So the fact that you can make it work here in this kind of market, in this environment, you know, does demonstrate that it should be far be easier to do it in the big, large markets like the US. Oh, yeah. I found Ireland to be incredibly diverse, you know, geographically um, and just in terms of culture. Yeah. And you're going to have a different set of drivers in different communities on what people may want to do with their lives. Right. So how do you open that up? Um, and I think it's an excellent test bed. I'm aware of a bank, uh, continental European bank that uses Ireland as their test bed for any new fintech propositions, just because of how different people's mindsets are from one part of the country to the yeah. next. You know, so I think it's a um, it's an excellent test bed for a global business, and it's it town. You know, you've al already gotten past the point of it being a Irish lifestyle business because you're expanding expanding internationally, right? So, yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. It, in terms of the the people in your network, who do you lean on the most? <laughs> Enterprise Ireland, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, professionally and personally. Um, I think uh, professionally, actually, I have some um, really, really lovely entrepreneurs actually um quite a few female entrepreneurs from ireland that have gone global and they have been just so open with their time and uh giving advice as to just basically what to avoid when you're investment raising 
Um, and these are cold approaches I've made. I haven't even waited for an introduction. That's been really nice. Um, my husband, co-founder, um, we lean on each other a lot, um, uh, Ben. And um, so I guess it's it's the and, and the community, because I'm interacting a lot with the community of Abodu. And it's really two ways. And uh, and there's just huge, huge support for what we're doing. Cool. What What is some of the top kind of things that you keep in mind when you're out, like you said, going cold to people now going out cold network to say, listen, can I uh, can I bounce this off you um, versus the sales side of it? What are the some of the things that um, little mental tips and tricks in your head that have made you successful in terms of being effective with customers? Um to remind myself that everyone's just a person at the end of the day, even if they have the biggest title in the world or they, you know, responsible for 1 billion or 500 people, they're just a person. And, um, it's really hard to be rude to someone who's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to be nice. <laughs> yeah. And there, there's the numbers game. I, you know, I, I was door knocking when I finished school and selling stationery with a little discontinued line I'd bought. I don't know what I was thinking, but that was the real learning for me that not everyone's going to say yes. If you're polite, they're, you know, they're going to say no. And eventually someone will go, okay, tell me more. Um, and I, the more I talk about a Bodu, um, before I used to kind of hide the emotional side and the passion side because I didn't think people wanted to hear about that. I thought people wanted to hear about, oh, numbers, mm-hmm. return on investment, exit. And now I, I'm talking about actually this is how we can change lives. This is how we can replenish communities. This is how, you know, we could really make a difference with um, the environment. And I'm beginning to see the reaction in people. And, and probably for the first six months, I kept that under the table. Um, so that's been a big learning. Um, and just don't give up. Yeah, you got to be yourself. You got to be yourself. Yeah. Just keep telling the same story. Last couple of episodes we ha- had on Emerald DeLeo, I got her name right, right there, um, and Lisa Smith, both who have said, listen, just keep doing it. Just keep saying it and stay consistent, stay on pitch, stay on point. People will listen and people will start coming to you and people will start giving you money, right? That's what, that's what keeps, uh, keeps things going, right? Um, so if you can just keep that mindset and keep that approach, the early stage funders, those that, uh, you know, call them a first check VC, call them a seed round VC, what they're looking at is they're looking at team. They're looking at the people because the numbers can mean anything at that point. Everybody's got a hockey stick, right? You know, and you've got that one page in your financial projections that looks wonderful because that has to look wonderful and it has to look like you're going to get into rapid fire growth. Um, but it is about how does a team come across? Can you build up that trust? Can you have that relationship? I'm learning more and more about that. Another great podcast that that digs into this quite a bit. It's called uh, Origins by Notation Capital. I've learned a lot about how um, to help my clients that are doing fundraising um, for their own ventures and about how to steer them and direct them based on listening to this podcast and reading a few books as well. Um, so that one could be quite helpful. There's so many resources out there to figure all this out. It's just if it's a good business and it's the right direction and right approach, it should get funded and it will get funded. It's been what I've always thought, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, um, I don't have any more questions. I know we could talk about remote working and how great it is for people's lives all day, actually, because I know the impact of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, one thing we like to ask, what would people not expect to know about you? And I know you said this at the beginning and I thought now I have plenty of time to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about it. Um, 
Uh, I guess that perhaps at times I come across very confident about smart working and um, uh, that you can't waver me. Um, But underneath it all, I, I, I think I'm just really appreciative of the fact that I'm here. And there are times where I can be up doing a big presentation and there's about eight now coming up in the next four weeks so if anyone's listening don't be thinking this when you hear me but I'm really having that out-of-body experience of how am I here talking about something that I really care about um and then I have to remind myself I have enough experience and lots of information to share so it's a confidence thing because people naturally assume I'm very confident that's not confidence that's imposter syndrome we all have it (laughs) we all have it and you're doing exactly what I do which is float above yourself and say wait a minute am I actually doing this okay yeah yeah." and you direct yourself on what to do it's a little bit what do they call that split personality yeah but it works (laughs) everyone's got to be a little bit crazy to do do this this. right Yeah, yeah absolutely good 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 All right. Well, Vanessa, thank you. It was a pleasure having you here. Thank you very much, guys. Money never sleeps, pal. That does it for this week, folks. And thanks to Vanessa for opening up her mind and sharing with us why she does what she does. Links and show notes for this episode are on moneyneversleeps.ie. So check us out online. This episode was sponsored by Possible.ie, an executive and personal coaching practice who work with entrepreneurs, emerging talent, and senior leadership in a collaborative way to improve business performance, retain and develop key staff, and improve leadership effectiveness. You can find them at Possible.ie, and remember, anything is possible. Also, thanks to Conan Brophy from CreateSound for editing this podcast. As for me, I increase the odds of startup success. Get in touch through the contact page on NoriaVentures.com. You can check out what Owen Fitzgerald is up to these days on Twitter at Owen Fitzgerald 9. Finally, till next time, thanks for listening. See ya!